Well, good morning. As Annie said, I'm Dave. I'm the lead pastor here at Connect, and it's great to see you. If it's your very first time here, welcome to Connect Church. I hope you enjoy our services this morning. A little bit of pressure for me if you were here last Sunday to follow that. Uh, I'm afraid there'll be no singing, no dancing, uh, just me. So I hope you enjoy the service anyway. uh, We are officially into the, uh, the Christmas season and everywhere all around us we are being reminded of that when we go shopping, when we turn on the radio, turn on the TV, just Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. Um, houses now are lit up as you drive home at night, lawn ornaments are out. And uh, one of the uh, key uh, moments you know it's Christmas is you see these words start to, dis- start to appear, don't you? These, these, these Christmas words start to show up in stores and on lawns and on the front of Christmas cards. And they are the, the words that we associate with Christmas, words like peace and joy, and love, and hope. And when you start to see these words go up, you really know that we're getting close to Christmas because these are the Christmas words. But I have to be honest, when I look at these words, I kind of get frustrated because every time I see them, they're missing the one key word that's really the, the heart of Christmas, aren't they? They're missing out that, that, that one word that when I think of Christmas, this is the word that I think of. And of course, that word is No, it's not Jesus, it's stress, okay? That's the word that should be there on the list, okay? Peace, love, joy, hope, and stress. Because that's what Christmas brings for many of us, doesn't it? Whether it's navigating the, um, the, the relatives who are coming to visit or the traveling that you've got to do to go visit relatives and make sure you see everyone at the right times and all the in-laws intersecting and when they do Christmas and when they do Christmas. And uh, it could be the busyness of all the extra activities of recitals and Christmas pageants and, and everything else that goes on. There's all the food that needs to be prepared and purchased and got ready for the, the meals that we'll have together. All these things bringing in stress. And then the biggest stressor of them all are the gifts. Having to buy the right gifts for the right people at the right time for the right amount. And it can be a stressful time. Maybe you can relate to this particular gentleman in this video. Check this out. Okay, well, thank you for that. But I got you and Leonard a few silly neighbor gifts, so I'll just put them under my tree. Wait, you bought me a present? Uh Uh-huh. Why would you do such a thing? I don't know, because it's Christmas? No, Penny. I know you think you're being generous, but the foundation of gift giving is reciprocity. You haven't given me a gift. You've given me an obligation. Don't feel bad, Penny. It's a classic rookie mistake. My first Hanukkah with Sheldon, he yelled at me for eight nights. get me anything in return? Of course I do. The essence of the custom is that I now have to go out and purchase for you a gift of commensurate value and representing the same perceived level of friendship as that represented by the gift you've given me. (laughs) That's no wonder suicide rates skyrocket this time of year. You know what? Forget it. I'm not giving you a present. No, he's too late. I see it. That elf sticker says to Sheldon. (laughs) The the die has been cast. The moving finger has writ. Hannibal has crossed the Alps. (laughs) I know it's funny when it's not happening to us. Sheldon, I am very, very sorry. No, no, I brought this on myself by being such an endearing and important part of your life. I'm going to need a ride to the mall. It's happening to us. So that ever happened to any of you, that awful, and and normally it's like Christmas Eve, isn't it? Someone you work with, and you're just leaving the office, and they're like, oh, hey, uh, before you leave, I I just got you a little something. And you're like, 
I didn't know. I didn't realize. So I, I think we should always have like a gift on hands, just something that's wrapped and ready. Just I got you a NASCAR calendar. Here it is. Yeah, I had it ready just, just for you. Just have a gift, something ready for when that happens. But, but all this stress that can come around Christmas time. And it's sad, isn't it? Because really, the heart of Christmas is, is remembering just that Jesus came, that Jesus was born. And yet all these, these gifts, these, these challenges of buying for the right person, uh, they can add to the stress of the Christmas season. Maybe what brings stress in your life is shopping for that one person who's just impossible to shop for. And if you've got someone like that in your family, I mean, like, mom, I can get her this, she'll be so happy, this guy, this girl. But then there's that one person who's just so hard to shop for. In my family, it's me. <laughs> I'm that guy. Drives Casey nuts. She says to me, what do you want for Christmas? I said, I'm fine. I don't really want anything. She goes, you've got to want something. I was like, I don't. I really don't want anything. She goes, but Christmas morning is going to come around and you're going to be like, so did you get me anything? <laughs> so what do you want? I was like, I really don't want anything. So uh, I'm putting that pressure on her now. I, I really, I don't want anything. So, I mean, make sure there's something there. But I'm, I'm really happy, you know, just <laughs> anything. She says she might get me a razor. I don't know why, but... Uh, <laughs> But it's crazy, isn't it? I mean, if you step back for it for just a second, we spend so much money on Christmas presents. It's just what we do. Many of us end up spending money we don't have. We accrue credit card debt that we're going to struggle to pay as we attempt to prove our love for one another with expensive gifts. And in the end, we're left holding a sweater from Aunt Mary that we're never going to wear again. So before you accuse me this morning of going all Grinch on you and, and speaking out against gift giving, that is not what I'm saying here this morning. There's nothing better to celebrate the birth of Jesus than to, to see gifts under the tree, gifts for loved one. But my intention today isn't to make us feel bad about shopping and buying gifts. My intention is to maybe, maybe set us free a little bit for them this morning. Set us free from some of the trappings and the pressure of Christmas. I want to give us permission this morning, permission to be counter-cultural, permission to maybe spend less this Christmas time. You see, this series that we're, we're in right now that's leading us up to Christmas, we've called it the Advent Conspiracy, and here's why. So Advent is a time, um, it's, a, it's a Latin word that means coming, and uh, it refers to the, the four weeks leading up to Christmas, the coming of Jesus, the birth of Jesus. So you may be familiar with that word, Advent. But why conspiracy? Well, conspiracy, when I think of the word conspiracy, I think of things like JFK's assassination, or UFO sightings, or the idea that donuts are bad for you. These are all conspiracy theories, okay? I mean, the donuts one, that's obviously been put out by the salad lobby trying to drive up lettuce sales. But listen, here's what the word conspiracy actually means. It means to subvert an established system or to act in harmony towards a common end. So this year, I want us to conspire together to approach Christmas a little bit differently. I want us to act together toward a common end. And that end is to not miss Christmas. In the busyness of all the holiday celebrations, let's not miss Christmas and what it's all about. In fact, when we look back to that very first Christmas, we're going to learn this morning that there was a guy that almost missed Christmas himself. A guy who had every reason in the world to miss it, but somehow he didn't. 
We learn about this guy uh, um, in the beginning of Matthew. Matthew tells the story of the life of Jesus. He's one of the four gentlemen who tell us the story of the life of Jesus. And at the very beginning of Matthew, he starts out with the birth of Jesus. And in Matthew 1, verse 18, he says, This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. So we meet this guy whose name is Joseph. Now you need to understand, pledged to be married meant engaged, okay? But in this culture, that's as good as being married. That didn't mean they'd set the date. That didn't mean there was a ring and, and maybe we'll get married. In this culture, to be pledged to be married, the deal was done. If you wanted to break that pledge, you, you actually had to divorce, even in the context of an engagement, because it was, once you were pledged to be married, they were as good as together, but we're going to discover that before any kind of wedding ceremony, reception, honeymoon, anything like that, something unexpected took place. Verse 18 continues on. She was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Now, because you and I know the Christmas story so well, it can be easy just to kind of blow right past this. But I want you for a moment this morning just to put yourself in the shoes of Joseph. Put yourself in the shoes of Joseph, who is pledged to be married, who's in a contractual agreement to be with this woman for the rest of his life, and he's just discovered that she's pregnant. How would he have felt? This was a major deal, a life-altering deal. This was a deal-breaking deal. Because the young lady who he was due to be married is now pregnant, and Joseph knows that this child isn't his. I mean, that had to have been a serious blow to his pride. Maybe he was angry. Maybe he was embarrassed. Maybe he felt in, inadequate. I'm sure he was emotionally crushed. And I feel like these feelings alone were ample reason for Joseph to miss Christmas, for Joseph to miss out on the birth of that baby. You wouldn't blame him if he made the decision to walk away from this woman to leave this woman who had obviously broken their commitments to one another. No one would have expected Joseph to stay with Mary. In fact, in that time and place, he would actually have felt pressure to leave her. You see, everyone would have assumed that, Joseph, that Mary had, had committed this, this unforgivable sin of adultery. And even if Joseph wanted to give her a second chance, the laws of his day, the religious laws of his day, would have demanded that he divorce his wife because she was guilty of adultery. So even if he felt compassion and wanted to kind of forgive her, the pressure of society, the pressure of the culture in which he lived in, the religious system in which he lived in, was pushing him to leave her. He was expected and obligated to leave her. And if he didn't, he would start to face ridicule and criticism from his community. I think it might be hard for us to grasp this mindset of this, this first century Middle Eastern culture. But a man who refused to divorce an unfaithful woman would be seen just as shameful for condoning her actions. So this was the pressure Joseph would have been under. He would have been despised for letting his love for Mary outweigh his honor of divorcing her. In fact, we're going to discover here that he actually had every um, intention of leaving her. Verse 19 says, Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So Joseph obviously loved Mary. 
He didn't want to embarrass her. He didn't want to bring more shame to her situation. But he knew he had to do what was expected of him. He knew he had to do what this, the culture was, was driving him to do. And he made a decision to leave Mary. But then something happened. We read about this in verses 20 through 21. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. And the angel said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. After the angel appears to Joseph, he starts to see things differently. He starts to realize what's going on here, and he decides to take Mary home to be his wife. Now, it can be so easy for us, can't it? Because we're so familiar with this story to just see it as such a neat and tidy story. But I've got to believe that for Joseph, it was anything but that when he made that decision. You see, Joseph's decision to stay with Mary was insanely countercultural. His friends, his families, they, they probably thought he was crazy. A fair share of them would probably have just at best shamed him, but at worst condemned him for this action. Rather than being revered, he was likely ridiculed for choosing to stay with this pregnant woman. But understand this from his story. Because he was willing to live counter-culturally, counter he didn't miss that first Christmas. Because he was willing to, to stand up against what everyone else was doing, it meant that he was there on that first Christmas night. He didn't miss the wonder of God with us, God beside us, God becoming one of us. Because he was willing to go against the flow, stand up to what was expected of him, and do what he felt was the right thing to do. I think his story should challenge us. I think his story should challenge us to make sure we don't miss it either. And if you and I, we don't want to miss Christmas, the real Christmas this year, I wonder what it might require of us to make a, a countercultural decision too. I wonder what pressure we're feeling under this Christmas time uh, from our culture that we live in with regards to the, the trappings of Christmas. What if living counterculturally this Christmas simply meant we make a decision to spend less. Spend less. Some of the teenagers in the room were already getting a little bit anxious with where I'm going with this message. They're like, whoa, steady there, Dave. <laughs> Let's not get crazy. But I discovered this week that according to a recent poll done by the Retailers Association, this year they expect the average family to spend $885 per family on gifts for one another. That's the average this poll said that there were 33% who plan on spending $1,000 or more. Now, that's, that's great if you've got that kind of money. But the truth is that we live in this culture, don't we, of excessive consumerism and consumption. And this Christmas season often reveals it in a shocking way. And it can kind of put that pressure on us, kind of to think, well, I've got to do this, and I've got to spend this, and I've got to. Now, I'm not saying we don't buy gifts for the ones that we love. I'll put that in just for the teenagers, okay? We still need to buy gifts for one another. But I'm saying simply, let's conspire together to do something different this Christmas. Not just give in to that consumer culture that we're surrounded by. 
I mean, after all, let's not forget that this very baby grew up to be a man who had some pretty powerful teaching on subjects like this. Which is pretty cool because he started out receiving some pretty lavish gifts. I mean, his first birthday, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I mean, he could have become accustomed to that. He's like, hey, I like these gifts. Keep them coming. But no, listen to what he said when he was an adult. Luke chapter 12, verse 15, talking about just the idea of um, consumerism. He said, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. This very baby who we celebrate at Christmas time by giving gifts and spending lavishly on one another grew up to be a man who said life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Do you know, I found out this week that Jim Carrey, the actor, he said this. He said, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. This guy arrived there. He, he accumulated the wealth and the fame and, and the money and the And he said, I've discovered it's not the answer. Now, I wouldn't normally think of turning to the guy who played Ace Ventura for any kind of wisdom. But unlike many of us, he's got to that point of having it all and realized it's not fulfilling. And the moment we think that that spending more money at Christmas or receiving more gifts at Christmas, that'll be what, what fills us up. That's the moment that we'll find ourselves in trouble. Like Jim Carrey said, that's when we'll discover that it's not the answer. That's why this morning, I want to give us permission. I want to give us permission to be countercultural. This Christmas time to go against the flow. Maybe spend less so that we don't get caught up in the trappings and the stress of the season. And get so caught up in it that we miss Christmas. That's the conspiracy I want to challenge us all with this morning. So if you're sitting here thinking, well, well that sounds like a kind of good idea. Maybe we could do that for, as a family. Let me, let me give you three really practical ideas on, on how you can do that this Christmas. If you want to take that, that step to go kind of counterculture this morning, to do something a little bit different, let me give you three just really simple ideas on, on how that can play out for you as a family this Christmas. The first is this, to spend wisely. To spend wisely. We talked a little bit about this, my family and I, this week, because we want to come into Christmas this year with a plan. It's pretty simple, okay? When it comes to spending wisely, it's just having a plan. Now, if you don't already have one, I want to suggest that maybe you get together as a couple or you even get together as a family and uh, sit down and talk and and come up with, and I know this word's going to scare some of you, okay, but I'm going to say it anyway, a budget, okay? (laughs) Come up with a number. Say, I think we can afford this as a family. I think we can afford this, this particular number, You may get some pushback from different members of the family on what that budget should be, okay? But uh, I'm going to suggest that you sit down and and you discuss together what what could our budget be. And then you're going to get really crazy, okay, because you're going to do the second thing. That that first thing's pretty easy. The second thing's the hard thing. You're going to stick to that budget, okay? So when you go shopping, you're going to try really hard to stick to that budget and spend wisely this Christmas time. I know that's hard, and I know that the the pressure is upon us in every store we go to to buy this, the commercials, whatever it may be. But I think having a budget, and more importantly, sticking to it, can make for a debt-free, stress-free celebration. It can help us not miss Christmas because of the fear and the anxiety and the worry that comes with it. 
Here's my second idea for you this morning. My second idea, real simple, real practical things for us all here this morning to, to um, just kind of break that, this, this conspiracy to, to maybe conspire to do things differently. The second idea is to spend creatively. Don't just spend wisely, spend creatively. Because how many of you feel pressure to, to buy this particular item or this big ticket item, whatever it may be? Or maybe you're like us. So for us as a family, one of the areas we, we feel um, pressure and uh, I want to be able to spend more creatively in the future is we have three children. So, so we find ourselves, as we're getting closer to Christmas, kind of Christmas, like measuring everything out. We're looking at how many gifts have been purchased or how much money has been spent. There have been times where we're in our bedroom and it's like laid out these piles and we're worried because this pile seems less than this pile and that pressure's creeping on. We've got to make some, we better buy a bunch more stuff to make this pile seem um, more even. But in actual fact, why not spend creatively? When you, when you think about the idea of spending creatively, it's freeing you up from the same number of gifts, the same value, and just buy based on what you know they would want instead of the worth. I want to give you a great example of this. We've got some good friends, Nathan and Corey. Uh, it's actually uh, Jessica's sister and brother-in-law, Jessica and Andy Brown. And um, they posted these videos last Christmas, and I texted her this week. I said, can I show those videos? Because they are just brilliant videos, and I want to use them to illustrate a point. So they've got three children, but their two oldest, Abraham and Hazel, uh, they had videos of them opening their gifts last year for Christmas. So first, we're going to see Abram opening his video. His Christmas presents. Check this out. Oh my gosh! Xbox! Wait, is that a Nintendo? Oh my gosh! That's a Nintendo Switch! That's a Nintendo Switch! Yeah! That's a Nintendo Switch! I know! So maybe you've had a moment like that on Christmas morning in your house. The kids opening the presents, jumping up and down so excited because he's got a Nintendo Switch. Now that's a gaming system, a handheld gaming system. I'm not sure exactly how much they cost, but I'm guessing it's north of $100, uh, maybe even closer to $200. So this is what this young guy has got. And his sister, bear in mind, has just watched him open this gift. Okay, so you and me, we're doing the math in our heads. We're thinking, well, that's somewhere between 150, 200. I'm expecting something comparable, okay? Now, Hazel, his younger sister, she gets to open her gift. Check this out. That's popping wood. Oh. I got that one! Glue bottle! <laughs> <laughs> so, it's just the glue. Let's see. Oh, my gosh. You've been wanting that oh, big glue God. bottle, haven't you? <laughs> So it's just glue. Babe, she's been wanting that glue for her. What is that glue? What's it for? Slime! Now, I don't know if you caught the word at the end there. Slime! Because the chief ingredient of slime, if you have any children in your house that make slime, okay, what you need is glue, okay? So for Christmas, bear in mind, Abram got a Nintendo Switch. Hazel got a big bottle of glue, Okay? <laughs> Hazel doesn't realize that at Walmart, you can buy that glue for probably around $6, okay? And I can tell she doesn't realize it by the look in her eyes when she opened the box and saw this massive bottle of glue. She was ecstatic. Now, the truth is, thanks to the beauty of video being archived, 10 years from now, she's going to look back and realize, wait a minute, <laughs> he got a Nintendo and I got a bottle of glue, and she's going to do the math. But at that age, she was just as happy. 
I think sometimes we as parents put some pressure on that our kids aren't even looking for. She just, all she wanted was a big bottle of glue. So maybe this Christmas it's time to spend creatively, to look for ways to, to see that look on our kid's face and know that we don't sometimes, we won't have to spend hundreds of dollars to see that. Just getting something we know they want, just something, and, and it might be different from one kid to another, but freeing ourselves up as parents to spend creatively. Let me give you one more practical piece of advice here. So as well as spending wisely and spending creatively, do you know what I think we could do as families this Christmas that would make a huge difference? It may not help us to spend less, but it may help us to appreciate the way we spend a little bit more. And the last idea is to spend purposefully. To spend purposefully. What I mean by that, spending purposefully is is finding a way to balance our wants and needs with the needs of others in our community and in our world. I once heard a dad tell a story of uh, his kids were opening his gifts on Christmas Day and, and when they were done, they turned around his one son and he said to his parents, is that it? And in that moment, his dad thought, what am I doing? What am I creating here that my kid is just tearing through everything and then when he's done, his response is, is that it? And he thought, we've got to do something different. I don't want to raise these kids to, to expect they're going to get everything, this kind of consumeristic spirit. So he said, I, as a family, we start to look for ways to, to give to others in need as well as to one another. And that's why this Christmas we're doing this. We've, we've not done this before. It's called The Big Give. Andy talked about it earlier. And I hope that when you do this, this will be a family activity. This won't be just something that you do just to kind of maybe put some, some dollars or a check in the envelope just to kind of help uh, add to the charitable aspect of Christmas. I hope this is something that you as a family will talk about together. Because you see, all the money that we raise from this, uh, this offering is going to be split between two different ventures, one local, one global. The local organization is Threads Hope and Love here in Washington. They have a big Christmas party coming up where they um, will be celebrating all of the families. There are hundreds of families that they connect with throughout the year. And they invite them all to this big Christmas party at the end of the year and they give gifts to the kids and to the teenagers. And all the money we collect, a portion of the money I should say, that we collect will go towards buying gift cards for the teenagers. Because Cindy, the lady who runs Threads, she tells me, we get so many toys. We get a lot of toys donated, but it's tough because a lot of these families have teenagers. They don't want toys. They want gift cards to restaurants or to get some gas for their car. So a portion of the money that we collect this Christmas time is going to go locally to Threads to buy some gift cards to bless these families who may feel the stress of Christmas because of the, the financial pressure that they're under. And then globally, we're going to do something as well. Globally, we're going to help families and children in Ecuador and the churches that we've planted through Compassion. If you've got kids in Connect Kids this morning, K through five, or if they're in uh, the three and four-year-olds, all of them are going to get to uh, meet this morning. They're doing this right now. So make sure you ask your kids about this when you get home today and have lunch. So um, Ashley and Whitney, they're showing them some pictures from trips that we've been on to Ecuador as a church so that our kids can see the, the homes of people who are living in poverty in South America. They want them as part of this Christmas experience to realize how blessed we are as a community here in central Illinois. They've actually put tape on the floor to, make, make this, to show the size of a typical house in the areas in which we've planted these churches. 
So these kids this morning will get to see that the houses that some of these people who will be supporting this Christmas that they live in are, are not a lot bigger than the stage I'm stood upon. Because we want this to be a family experience because some of the money that we collect from here will go towards the three churches that we've planted in Ecuador to help them with specific projects in their area. I spoke to Compassion this week and they said that they can definitely uh, in the spring, probably by the spring of next year, send us pictures and updates of what we were able to do with this money and it could be anything. It could be upkeep on the building itself. It could be supplies. It could be a playground. Whatever it might be, the funds we send will definitely get to be used in the churches that we've helped to plant down there in South America. But wouldn't it be wonderful as part of our spend less strategy, the way that we kind of go against culture this Christmas, wasn't just to spend less, but it was to talk together as a family and say, what can we do purposefully outside of our family? We're going to be having a conversation with our children because for us, we've got a budget. We've come up with a number of what we're going to spend this Christmas. And the truth is, if we want to give a gift like that through the big gift, we may have to find some room for that money. We may have to lower some of the spending in some of the areas. And we're going to talk about that as a family this week. That maybe we will get a little bit less at Christmas, but someone else will get a little bit more because we're able to give purposefully this Christmas. So maybe one of those three ways this Christmas will help free you up from the, the pressure that society puts upon us to spend, spend, spend. Maybe as a family, you can spend less this Christmas by spending wisely, spending creatively, spending purposefully this Christmas. Because if Joseph had given in to the pressure that society was putting him on, he would have missed Christmas. He wouldn't have been there at the birth of Jesus. But he stood up to the pressure. He stood up to the culture. He stuck with Mary. And he was there to welcome the birth of Jesus. Last Sunday night, Connect Youth met together. They meet every Sunday night for a service at the Connect Center. But last Sunday, they actually did something different to kind of get them ready for Christmas. Justin and Caitlin, our youth pastors, they got them together and they said, okay, guys, we're gonna pray. And we're gonna ask God to help us tonight because we're gonna do something different. Instead of staying here and enjoying youth, we're gonna split you up into five groups. And then every group's gonna get a gift card to Walmart. And we're gonna go to Walmart and we want you to find someone who you can just meet and say, hey, we'd like to bless you this Christmas. We'd like to give you this gift card and we'd like to pray with you. And that's what they did. Some of them were very scared because they found out that they were gonna have to actually pray for people that they met. But they split up in their groups and off they went. Some of the people they spoke to at Walmart refused. They said, there's, there's people who need these more than us. Some of the groups had to go through three, four different people before finally they found someone who would take their gift card. But one group, I got to hear a fantastic story. They got to meet with this lady and they just said, hi, we're some teenagers from Connect Youth and if you are okay with this, we'd love to just give you this gift card as a gift from us and say a prayer with you if that's okay. She was an older lady and she said, oh, I would love that. She says, you don't know how much this means to me that you're gonna do this. She said, this is the first Christmas without my husband." He passed away earlier this year, and I've got to be honest, I've not been looking forward to Christmas, spending it alone. But you coming to me today and giving me this gift card, this is really lifting my spirits. And she goes, if you could pray, that would be great. If you could just pray for me. And 
Ben, my son, was the leader of that group. He said a prayer. He prayed for this lady that she would just experience the love of Jesus this Christmas. When he was finished praying, she was so moved. He said they, she just hugged every one of them. She thanked them so much. Tuesday morning, we get a call at the church asking to speak to the youth pastor, and Justin calls this lady back, and it's this lady. She said, I just had to call you and just thank you again for your wonderful teenagers who would do that. She said, I have told everyone I've met since Sunday about what happened to me at Walmart and how much it meant to me. I've called my kids. They all live far away. I've called them and told them the story. It just meant so much to me. Do you know how much the gift card was for? $20. (laughs) That's not a huge amount. She's not going to get a lot in Walmart. Well, actually, in Walmart, she will get a lot for $20. (laughs) But it wasn't the size of the gift. You don't have to spend a lot of money to make someone's Christmas. I'm so proud of our teenagers for doing that. And I'm so excited that they got to see God at work, that God guided their steps, that this lady, God saw her heart. He knew what she needed this Christmas time. And he sent four or five teenagers with a gift card to pray with her because that's exactly what she needed for her first Christmas without her husband. We can make a difference. So why don't we conspire together to do things differently? Like Joseph, to go against what's expected of us and to help ensure that we don't miss the real heart of Christmas. Let's pray. Father, I pray that all here this morning will just feel freedom, will feel the permission to do things differently, to go against culture, to not be afraid to to stand up to what's expected of us because we don't want to miss the very heart of Christmas. We don't want stress of finances and spending more than we can afford and Consumerism. We don't want all of that to pull us away and to add the pressure and the stress from the true meaning of Christmas. Help us, Lord, to be able to, to pull back the trappings and to focus in, like Joseph did, on the birth of that baby boy who grew up to change the world and for many of us here this morning, change our lives. We thank you for Jesus, your gift to us. And we pray that we would find ways this Christmas to, to be countercultural in the way that we celebrate his birth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.